how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. This episode is brought to you by IronJohnGear.com. In between your creative pursuits, make sure to check out Iron John Gear for top apparel, footwear, fitness items, outdoor supplies, sports gear, and much more. Visit the website for top deals on things like lanterns, backpacks, tents, snow clothing, bomber hats, sunglasses, fishing gear, and more. Visit ironjohngear.com today and save money on your next adventure. In addition to Iron John Gear, make sure to also check out Freelancer Class, where you can learn how to become a freelancer full-time or part-time. The online course will teach you how to make money online as a writer, marketer, designer, virtual assistant, accountant, or salesperson. Stay tuned after the show to learn how to get access for free to this $99 valued freelancer course, along with some other free items on our website, creativeprinciples.live. In the Sundance hit, The Discovery, Robert Redford stars as Dr. Thomas Harper, the man who discovers definitive scientific proof that an afterlife exists. As thousands contemplate suicide to move to the next life, Thomas's son Will, played by Jason Siegel, falls for Isla, played by Rooney Mara. Following the success of their previous film, The One I... Writer-directors Justin Ladder and Charlie McDowell teamed up for this sci-fi romance. In this interview, McDowell talks about making exposition interesting, the importance of regret, writing for your actors, and a little bit of information about his upcoming adaptation, Don DeLillo's novel, Zero K. Uh, my, my parents are in the industry um, and are actors, so I, I grew up, you know, in this kind of funny circus, uh, you know, moving from uh, set to set, and... Um, and yeah, just kind of went wherever they were working and, and was, as a kid, like didn't really care about um, the process of filmmaking or making films. You know, I was more interested in just being a kid. Um, but, uh, but it was definitely a part of, it's a part of who I am. And, and, um, and so it was always ingrained in me for sure. Um, and then I, I definitely, as a teenager, I, I sort of uh, didn't want anything to do with the industry um, at all, and so was focusing on other things. And then um, when I went to college, I, I started to get really into film, and, and then I ended up going to AFI for directing, um, and then have just been kind of pursuing it ever since. And that was your mom, and, and they had a little cameo in the beginning. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so where did this idea originally come from? It's a pretty complicated story. I think the first preview I saw just um, was kind of complex and just ended with Jason Siegel saying, 
people are just going to keep killing themselves in an almost like nonchalant way. So can you kind of describe the film to people without giving too much away? Yeah, I mean, the idea came from um, my writing partner, Justin Later. He he approached me um, with this idea uh, with just the basic question of what if the afterlife was scientifically proven, um, what would happen? And, uh, and, and I think that became really interesting to us in terms of, well, does death even – is it even death anymore, or are you just going somewhere else? Are you just constantly living but in a different place? Um, and, and so that idea was, was super fascinating to us. And then the idea that people uh, would start taking their own lives um, became interesting because the question of, okay, well, if you're guaranteed to go somewhere else, would you want to do that? If you, you know, can't pay your mortgage or you're going through a horrible breakup or whatever it is and, and you are guaranteed to go somewhere else, um, would you kind of, would you press that reset button? Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that idea became really fascinating to us. And so, um, we wanted to explore that as far as we could, but ultimately wanted to, um, make it a, about a, a character story and a love story, a father-son story. Um, and so the, this kind of big uh, premise became the backdrop to ultimately um, this character piece. Um, the intro to the film is, is rather heavy. Um, how important is it to establish a hard-hitting introduction like this for a thought-provoking film? Well, I think it's important um, in terms of if you're in this particular film, we are we are saying that something is happening globally um, and and affecting sort of everyone's lives, but we're not going out into the world and showing it throughout the film. Um, so the the opening scene became really important because. Uh, we, we're setting the state of the world and the tone of the world um, and explaining where we're at, and then the story starts. So it, in my mind, it was always like the first scene was almost like a prologue um, to, to the story that then starts with our main character, Will, on the ferry. Um, but, but I think, you know, it, it's, it's really about, in terms of like a screenwriting perspective, it's really about... Um, taking exposition and, and making it interesting. And we had a lot of exposition to sort of dump in the beginning and, and explain. And so for us, it was like, how do we heighten that exposition and make it interesting? And, and that's, you know, that's what we tried to do with the opening scene. Do you feel like the story is still somewhat playful? It seems like it could have easily gone further into like further sci-fi or even almost into a horror film. Where do you kind of see the genre as? Yeah, I mean, it's funny, like, you know, the one I love, our first film had a sort of a grounded sci-fi genre element to it, and, and then this one does as well. And I don't, um, I don't specifically think too much in terms of, like, uh, giving it a label. I, 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 I do a lot of um, visual work in terms of pulling photographs or stills from films and things like that in terms of how does it feel and look. But I, I, it was always important for us in crafting the story um, to not do something um, that felt futuristic 
uh, or became or, or leaned more into the sci-fi genre because I think if you did that, you would lose the element of, well, what if this happened to me? Um, right. And that was always a really important idea and question for us is we wanted the audience to really question if this happened to me right now, what would I do? And I, I think if you if you if you're leaning too far into sci-fi or a futuristic world, then it becomes about that genre and that style and less about um, connecting yourself to the movie. What were some of the cinematic influences for writing this film? Or, or directing, either um, way. Well, yeah, I mean, in I, I think in the writing process, um, we, we looked at uh, a film like Eternal Sunshine was one where Again, it's like taking a simplistic theme and idea, uh, which is really, at, at its core, a guy trying to get over a girl, uh, and then a girl trying to get over a guy, and then, um, and then you know, taking it in such a unique, interesting way and exploring that theme um, in this sort of uh, surreal, heady way. And I think as a result, people connect to films like that more so than if it was just felt traditional or something we've seen before. Um, so I, I think that that was uh, something that we talked about and looked at. And then for me, visually, um, I think the main uh, visual film that I, I looked at and, and really responded to was The Master. Um, and uh, Martha Marcy May Marlene was another one in terms of some of the cult and atmospheric stuff. Um, but yeah, it, it was it, it was those pieces, and then and then ultimately, um, you know, something like Eternal Sunshine, where there was at its core, it, it really is a love story. So there are these um, these moments where we need to feel and connect to. Uh, our, our two lead characters, and so that was always a really important thing. It could, it couldn't feel too dark and bleak. Um, we needed uh, an emotional element to connect you, I think, in order for it to work. So that was the that was the love story part of it. How important is regret within this story? Well, it, it's something that. Uh, you know, towards the end of the film, without you know giving away too many spoilers, that ultimately we we are saying that that's uh, you know our our humans uh, kind of basic instinct in terms of what we think about and and relate and connect to, and and I, I think that that was something really interesting for us to explore in the writing process um, is that you know we we as humans all have regrets and and at times they outweigh the way uh in which we're living our lives and and it's constant well what if we could go back uh what if i could change something um and i i think it's just such a powerful feeling um so ultimately i, I that was just the direction we naturally took it um because we we again we felt like audiences could really relate to that idea did you, there's a lot of big names in this story. Did you write any of these roles for specific actors or actresses? Uh, we did. We we wrote. So the the first scene we wrote was the uh, the opening scene with Redford and the interviewer, um, and that was really just we hadn't figured out the characters yet. We knew that we wanted the character of the man who 
you know, came up with the discovery. Um, but we didn't, we didn't have our sort of main character, uh, or characters yet. And so we, we just wanted to explore that idea, uh, in that opening scene. So I gave, uh, I gave those pages, um, to Rooney Mara and she read it and really responded to what we were exploring with. And, and so she said she wanted to be uh, a part of the film. And um, so for us, you know, when when one of the the best young actresses on the planet says she wants to be in your movie, then you, you figure out a way uh, to, to write a really good girl part um, and a part that ultimately is the sort of focal point to the piece. Um, and, and I don't think we would have done that. Um, if we hadn't known that Rooney wanted to be a part of it, but I, you know, I, I wanted her to read it and, and really want to play this character. So, um, so that we focused on that and then, um, and then the rest of the characters kind of fell into place and we just felt like this was the best way to tell this story. What are some of your, um, like writing rituals or, or logistics when you're in the room writing, do you write a certain time a day or a certain number of hours, things like that? Um, well, I have a, I have a kind of great partnership with Justin in that we do a lot of, um, a lot of story and character work, uh, in discussion and outline. Um, and then instead of doing scenes back and forth, which I know people do, uh, we do, we, you know, like I said, we do all of this work and then Justin will put the first version of it on the page. Um, and then from there we will go back and forth and rewrite and discuss and change. And, um, so for me, it, it's, uh, you know, Justin's doing the really heavy lifting and, and putting this thing on the page for the first time. Um, and, and then we, we take it from there. So, um, I, I tend to be someone who I wake up really early and that's when my sort of brain is working at its best. So I typically like to work first thing in the morning. And then by the time it's evening, I just want to relax and be done and not think about it and try to like tune my brain out. So that, that's kind of the ritual for me. I, um, I definitely think it's important to, live your life and, and, uh, and not force something if it's just not working. So, uh, I, I'm a surfer and love to get in the water. So that's really important for me. So there are a couple of things that I do to try to just stay grounded and, and happy in life and, and then, uh, and then try to dive into another world and in, in writing it. What do you find to be the most difficult step in the writing process? Um, I think like the balance of, uh, of exposition and, and how much to put in and how much to let the audience, uh, feel or interpret for themselves. That's always, um, especially well in the writing process, but also the editing process for me is it's a constant, um, I'm constantly reworking and re-editing in terms of like, how much do I want? to give the audience or how much do I want to hold back? Um, so that, that's, a, that's always, you know, it, it's a, it's a balancing act. And I think, um, it, it's just about showing people pages in the scripting process and getting their opinion. And then definitely in the editing process as well. Like I really like to screen the films multiple times or the film multiple times for people, 
um, and get their thoughts because a lot of times someone can, who's not so connected to the idea can easily just say, oh, you don't need that line. We get it. Uh, and, and, I, and I tend to listen to that. Um, where do you find that novice filmmakers or novice screenwriters waste time in the beginning? Where could they better spend their time as they're learning? I mean, I, I go back and, and speak to um, and do a mentorship thing at AFI, and, and so I, I talk about this a lot. And I think it's um, I think it's mostly like the focus. People put a lot of focus on the the business side, meaning like even just about representation, agents, managers, things like that. And it's almost like a little like benchmark forward for them. Where Okay, I have an agent now. I've I've done it. I've made it in some way, and, and really like whereas representatives are really important, I think um, the main thing to do out of film school is focus on is focus on your script, focus on your feature. Even if you have a short film, um, you know people can watch a short film, but it's not something that gets seen in theaters or that people make money off of. So it's all about what do you have, what what feature length do you have, and what's the story that you want to tell. So I always tell um, young writers and directors to, like, really just focus on uh, on your script and have that be something that you have ready to go when people uh, are interested in meeting with you. Um, and, I, and I think definitely from my experience with the one I love, I feel like a, a great way to break into the industry um, is to write a, a film that's contained um, and a few actors so that you're not telling a big story where you're going to need a lot of money because it's really hard to get financing nowadays. And so if you can tell a story that's limited to a few locations or in the one I love's case, basically two locations, um, then, uh, then I think it, it, there's a lot better chance to move forward and actually make your movie because you can control it and make it for a lot less money than something that you would need a budget for. Is there anything you'd like to share about the film we haven't already talked about? Um, I guess, you know, I, I, I for me it was, you know, I always tried to make a film that, everyone sort of brings something different depending on who they are into watching this film. And one person might think it means something and someone else might think it means something else. And that was sort of the purpose of, of making this piece. And it's, um, it's definitely a film that you have to think about while you're watching and, and not everyone wants to do that. Um, but for me, I really like to sort of, I guess, challenge, um, people in that way and, and ultimately make you think and then hopefully by the end you're feeling um, and connecting that to your emotions in some way. So that, that's, uh, that's the sort of purpose for me and, and, and ultimately, you know, when we're putting these stories together, like that's the thing that excites us the most is uh, we're, we're trying to say something here. Can you share any details about what you might be working on next? Yeah, um, we are, uh, Justin and I um, are writing this limited series for FX that um, Noah Hawley brought us uh, this Don DeLillo book called Zero K. Um, and it was, it's Noah Hawley and Scott Rudin producing. 
um, and we're developing that into a limited series. And uh, we're basically working um, on writing the, the pilot right now. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the weekly newsletter where you also get free access to the freelancer course, Master the Freelancer Mindset. This system will teach you exactly how to find clients online, which includes step one, the psychology of the mindset, step two, how to create a killer profile, and step three, how to find quality clients. This online course is valued at $99. It can be yours for free. In addition to the free course, you'll get access to the ebook How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block. This contains advice from Aaron Sorkin, Carrie Fukunaga, and William Monahan. You can find all of this and more on creativeprinciples.live. Visit the website for new interviews, articles, and the daily blog. That's creativeprinciples.live.